Hi. Hello. If you hear any weird sounds or music in the background or anything, that would be my husband who said, just tell them it's a ghost because he refuses to turn down the TV or make the dog stop fighting in the next room. So it's just a ghost, guys. Welcome back to Country Road Paranormal. What happened to you this week? This week, we actually have done a lot of cleaning and a lot of rearranging and painting and everything on the house. Last night, Dwayne got it in his head and we pulled apart the couch. We have this huge couch. It's one of those um, sectionals. Yeah, modular. But it takes up the whole living room. And he took it all apart. We pulled it all away from the walls, vacuumed behind it, underneath it, around it, put everything back. And then Tyler cleaned his room, which Tyler's room is always a wreck. And it looks like somebody else's room now. Yeah. Because he got rid of so much stuff that it just, it looks... It looks like an empty spare bedroom. It looks really nice though. It looks like him because of the random stuff he has hanging on the walls. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, I was really thrilled. And then Dwayne put away all of the stuff in the office from where he painted and did all the walls. And so now my sewing room is a, my office is a sewing room and it's lovely. And I'm very happy. What about you? What have you done this week? I have been recording a lot more for my house renovation vlog. So we talked about the house before, right? Yes. Podcast. Yes. Okay. And how you're redoing the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't have a clue what you're talking about with a vlog. So I've been recording, like doing things in like my progress ever since I started. When was that? Like August? Mm-hmm. Like a long time ago. Yeah. And so I've got a lot of footage of um, like things that I've done on the house and like walking around and like before and afters and whatnot. Yeah. Then I lost all of it. (gasps) I found out last night that my Google like photos. Yeah. It decided that they were taking up too much space and deleted all of them. And so now I have no videos and I just have pictures. So now I have pictures. But I will not be doing a renovation vlog like Aww. I've been planning for like the last six, seven months. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I'm not happy with it right now. No. No. Google Photos, count your days. Yeah. Because that was like, I don't even know, like 30, 40 hours oh of gosh. videos. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I updated that like every day too. I was ah. so excited. Um, let's see. So we've got a couple of stories today. Um, one is from my friend Reagan. It's another story from her. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn cool. She was what, episode two? Yes. Yeah. And then um, Rick. He um, sent in a couple of little short stories. And so we've got stories from Rick. And then we're going to learn about banshees. 
and we're gonna learn about old medicine. That's our creepy fact for the week. Medicines Wait, did and we do a fact for tonics from. Anyhow, it's about old oh, tonics from late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Okay, so I'm gonna tell Reagan's story because it's so cool. Okay, this is two year two thousand. Her husband at the time was a writer. Is a he's still a phenomenal writer. Um, Craig was really scrapping for work around the year two thousand. He was able to get a little spot on an airline magazine to write a small story of about a paranormal investigation. Craig and Reagan would be part of a ghost hunt at a theater in downtown L.A. No way. Yeah. The theater, and this, so they were like, why not? Uh-huh. So they just went. Yeah. Yeah. The theater was kept completely in its original glory from the early 1900s. The Art Deco carved wooden details and the third one-third round auditorium was beautiful. The auditorium was filled with red velvet seats and hand-carved details around a huge original pipe organ. Yeah, I would lose my mind yeah. in that place. As they arrived at the theater, Reagan and Craig met the group at the metal gates protecting the glass front windows. The paranormal team gave them all equipment that they would all the equipment that they would need for their investigation. No lights would be on as they explained this would heighten their other senses. Reagan was not impressed with the group's methods. She has a scientific background and she noticed that they were going to be taking measurements with all these equipment, but they would not be recording said measurements in any way. They were just taking. And they also, she was a complete skeptic. The group was instructed to notify the leaders if they felt anything weird or like a cold spot or a strange feeling or a sound. The group even thought brought a famous psychic to go through the building with them. Who is it? I don't know. I don't know the name of the theater either. Oh. She can't remember. Oh. The gates were opened for them and they entered the doors. Reagan was the last one in and she struggled to shut the doors. Whenever she would pull them closed, they would spring open again. Like something was in the way, mm-hmm. you know? And she did this over and over. Finally, Craig went over at the end and pulled the doors shut easily. And they latched. So she just kept going on. As... They walked into the foyer. Reagan felt cold air blow on her, but she brushed it off. She wasn't sure if there was a fan or an air conditioning in the building. She ignored this and watched askance as the group stopped, hearing water dripping and looking for paranormal explanation. The medium had a flamboyant personality that grated on Reagan's nerves. Craig recently had been writing books on Native American history and had been looking for water sources in the southwest deserts. He quickly found the source of the water dripping nearby and debunked the team's water sounds. Reagan laughed to herself as she watched the team, dejected, um, and move on to their next area. You need to know a little of Reagan's background, okay? So, Cole... 
Reagan's mother raised her to hide. We talked about this last time to like hide her mm -hmm. emotions yeah. and not express emotion or I don't know, even have emotions. It was unnatural for her to go to express emotion and to watch the psychic go on and on about what she was feeling and act out strangely was irritating to say the least. As the psychic entered the auditorium, she suddenly stopped and said, No, you can't come in. You are not welcome to come inside of me. I have a yeast infection and you are not welcome. <laughs> Wait, who said that? The psychic, the medium. Oh. <laughs> Some entity was supposedly trying to jump her. You know, like get so into she her. Had a yeast infection. Yes. So, like... And she was not having it. So <laughs> she says that um, not only. To act out in that fashion, but to admit something is personally embarrassing oh, is a yeah. yeast infection, horrified Reagan. But apparently, if you have any sort of physical ailment, mm -hmm. you can't get rid of a entity as well if they jump you. Oh. So she was like, no, look, I you can't mess with me because I'm... Anyhow, it, it horrified Reagan, okay? So Wait, the group do they does it would it like stay for like just the entirety of like whatever sickness? No clue. I'm not a scholar on that sort of thing. Oh, well, we need one. Yes, we do. The group continued their investigations and split up throughout the building. At one point, the psychic was on the stage and cried out, "Oh, the worms! The worms!" And she curled up on the stage in a fetal position, writhing on the floor. Reagan had had enough. <laughs> she separated herself from the group and went to sit alone in the auditorium. Suddenly, Reagan felt a heaviness in her chest and began to cry. Not just crying, she was sobbing. This scared Reagan because she hadn't cried in public for as long as she could remember. So even as a little girl, she did not cry in public. She couldn't stop. She couldn't breathe right. She was sobbing like the, <gasps> uh, like, like that, hysterical. like the hysterical sobbing. Okay. The more she tried to calm down and get it under the control, the more she wept. Finally, Reagan went to the psychic because she didn't know what else to do. And she was like begging her for help. She's like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? You've got to help me. I can't stop <gasps> crying. You know, and she was mm -hmm. freaking out. And she was crying so hard. She had difficulty explaining what she was feeling and just begged her to make it stop. The medium reaches forward as if to grab something out of Reagan's chest area and then pulled her fist back. Reagan felt it. It felt as if she had reached into her aura or whatever and grabbed a ball of clay and pulled it out of her. The heavy feeling in Reagan's crying stopped immediately. Really? Yeah. Reagan was stunned. She realized that this woman was not just a drama queen, but the real deal. Wait, so with that... She had dragged something or someone from Reagan. So would that qualify as like an exorcism? Mm. Or is there a different term if it's not like demonic? I think it's a different term if it's not demonic. We should look into that. Should yeah, because you go, you can have ghosts jump oh, you. I have an iPad. Let me. Yeah. Hold on. 
Okay, the rest of the night was completely unmemorable. She literally just does not remember the rest of the night. Later, Craig told Reagan that there were tunnels under the theater that went across the street where they had, there had been a speakeasy during the Prohibition in the 1920s. Craig also had been recording on his tape recorder throughout the night for his article. When Craig listened back, as he had been sitting alone in the balcony, there was only silence on the tape. But when they would rewind through the silent part, they could clearly hear a voice mumbling. As they played it forward again, they could hear only silence. The voice was only during the rewinding of the tape. Crazy, right? Yeah. And I think what just gets me about these personal stories is that these are people I trust and love. These are people who I've told my stories to. These are people who I know something happened to. It's not just made up for, I don't know, notoriety or something like that. These are these are friends I know. You know, I trust her. I think this is a cool story. I am not finding a single thing on, like, an what an exorcism is called with, like... Like, not an evil demonic possession. All right. I'm going to look that up. Research that one. Yeah. Okay. Is it my turn now? It's your turn now. Okay. We are talking about Rick. It is titled Haunted House. So, the first. The earliest memory starts in 1965. It says, he was only two years old and still in a crib. He clearly remembered seeing a three-dimensional owl sitting on, the f- sitting on his old-fashioned nightlight. It was perched atop the light, so half of its body was in the wall. And half of his body was not. Like so, if so you like imagine a computer glitch, a night, like on yes. a, like on a video game, like yes. when somebody like glitches and falls on the yes. ground or something. That's okay. exactly right. He says he was afraid at first, then suddenly he wasn't, and it watched him until he finally drifted off to sleep. So that was his first experience, and in 1967, so two years later. When he was four years old, he feared the closet leading to his mother's bedroom. There's a closet, okay? It's 1967, and the closet is in between um, him and his mom's room. And a guy named Mr. O'Connell, who's an old Irishman who worked for them, had been telling Rick that there were monsters that lived in the closet. So that's why he's scared of the closet. Then he realized... A huge bear was standing in the doorway of his bedroom. It was partially see-through and was making a snuffling noise. Like it was... Like it was trying to sniff him out. Rick whisper-yelled to his mother through the closet in between their bedrooms, trying to get her attention but without the bear hearing him. After some time, she finally heard him and came around the hallway, through the door, and through the bear to comfort him. The bear had disappeared. The house they lived in was also lived in by the original owner. They had built the home, but the wife didn't want to leave after they sold it, so they just stayed in the house. (laughs) 
Her name was Jessie. Jessie taught him how to make Apache tacos, which, if you didn't know what that is, it's where you kick an anthill and throw a leaf onto the pile. As the ants are agitated, they will attack and crawl onto the leaf. Then you quickly pick the leaf up and roll it up and eat it. <laughs> That's an Apache taco, apparently. What the hell are some people on? <laughs> This is the 60s. No wonder everybody died back then. Okay. So, you roll it up and you eat it. And this girl, Jessie, um, the original owner of the house, was a big part of their lives. In 1969, when Rick was six or seven years old, he was told to go down to the basement and get some beef out of the freezer for dinner. Um, so, when he was down in the basement... Rick saw Jesse in the corner and told her hello. Um, when he went back upstairs, he asked his mother what Jesse was doing down in the basement, and his mother hung up the phone and freaked out. A neighbor had just called to tell her that Jesse had been found dead. Wow. Yeah. So he saw her ghost down in the basement at the same time that somebody had yeah. found her her body. Her remains, yeah. As a paramedic on the ambulance crew, he is constantly seeing the ghost of a person that he's preparing for a preparing a body bag for or doing CPR on. One day he had a patient crash, which is when their heart stops, and he was doing CPR and the man was standing to the side yelling at Rick telling him I'm fine, just get out of my house. <laughs> He said he had to actually argue with him and be like, no, you're not. You're not fine. Oh. And I'm not going to get out of your house. And he was like, just get out of the house. And he was a grumpy old man. He was not understanding that he was that dying. He was dying. Wow. Yeah. That's he crazy. He says he has a bunch of those stories. Like oh, so sure. many that it just. Just doesn't. They really don't phase stick them out. anymore. It's yeah. kind of like me and dispatching. Like, yeah. now I don't come home and tell you guys stuff because it's all the same. Mm. To me. Yeah. To the rest of the world, it would be like, what? Mm -hmm. And Rick is just like, meh. Right. He's going to send us some more stories here pretty soon. Well, good. Um, he's You know how we talked about visions versus dreams? Yes. He has um, stuff on that, too. Okay. So, he's going to send us more on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, now we're talking about this week's cryptid. A banshee. You want to read up on that for us? Yes. Okay. It's a dark night in Ireland, and the forests are filled with mist. A blood-curdling wail slices open the silence, and it's followed by more cries. You think that the anguished cries are coming from a dying person, and in a way, you could be right. These are the cries of the ghostly banshee, meant as a warning that death approaches. So d despite their good intentions, banshees do not look like the friendliest creatures. They can appear, well, they can appear one way or the other, either as old, withered old hags or supernaturally beautiful women. They wear shadowy gray cloaks or silvery shrouds over green or red dresses. Their hair, which can be red or a pale color that shimmers like wildfire, is long and windblown, and their eyes are always inflamed from weeping. The Scottish Benai, 
um, that's how they say it, are often considered Scottish Banshees. They can be identified by a few unusual signs. Their breasts droop and they only have one nostril and their feet are webbed like a duck. Banshees may seem ghoulish, but they have no record of being violent or even mischievous. Their dark appearance probably comes from the tragedy of their own lives. Many people believe they are the spirits of women who were murdered or died in childbirth. Others believe that they are fairy queens who were driven underground by the arrival of the humans. Given their own sad story, it's not surprising that banshees are hypersensitive to sadness on other people's, in other people's lives, nor that their expression of grief has taken on supernatural powers. Banshees are also capable of deep devotion. Each banshee serves a specific family and will spend centuries trailing the children of the family. They are also deeply devoted to their country, Ireland, and will attach themselves only to families who are descendants from Celts, not Normans or Saxons. Finally, there are clues that suggest the banshees are attracted to wealth and nobility. Some legends claim that they only serve ancient Celtic noble families, and others claim that before the death of an important leader, multiple banshees will come together in mourning. Banshees are best known for their premonitions. They always appear shortly before the death of someone in their designated family. In a few stories, they would have spoken out to tell exactly who would die and how, but in most cases, they simply wail. But the Banshee's wail in and of itself is a powerful message. It can be heard for miles and always chills the hearts of the people who hear it. Some stories have described glass windows shattering when hit by high plaintive notes of the Banshee's song. The Benai has a slightly different way of sending her message. That's the Scottish one. Mm -hmm. Rather than wailing, she appears by a river washing bloody clothes or armor in the water. She is also more talkative than her Irish cousin, the Banshee. So she tends to give more specific details about death that it is waiting just around the corner. So those are my two favorite cultures in the world, the Scottish and the Irish. So do you think it's just like a, it's a, a thing that they're like... I think it's like a black dog. Like the warning of death. Oh. And that's it. Yeah. That's all I think it is. Because they are not mischievous. They're not. They don't bother you. Or they don't hurt you. The only thing they are there to do is to warn you of a death in the family. So do you think that they were like born into a family? And or do you think they were like born or made or however they come to be? And they just picked whatever family that they were going to stay with or and that's watch over? That's a good question. Her. That's a good question. Because that's what they believe is that they a banshee stays with, with the one a certain family. family. Yeah. Crazy. And that I didn't know. I didn't know that about banshees. That they stay with just one family. No, neither did I. Yeah. I hadn't done a lot of research on banshees. I've always just known about them. Mm-hmm. But you we have hear a, them randomly. Yeah. yeah. But, well, and my family has a lot of Irish, Scottish, old Celtic stories. Do we now? Yeah. 
And so I was always raised with, you know, just the mention of it. Not really, like, instruction on it or anything. Mm-hmm. But I knew what a banshee was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. There are some of these things that we've gone over in this podcast that I kind of want to go back over later with, like, a lot more info. I think so, too. Yeah. Okay. Write them down and we'll do them. Okay. All right, so our creepy fact of the week is old medicine. And in fact, I think I'm going to make a Facebook post or um, some sort of a post about these because these are awesome and I have all the pictures of the original um, artwork for the advertisements on them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not seeing a date on this first one. Yeah, I don't think I found one. I don't see I bet there. I could go back and look. Well, there's a signature down at the bottom. It says MMBO Lith. So this is New York. And it was for teething children. And it is Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup for Teething Children. So, Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup is one of the tragedies of the era of patient medicine. Um, An unknown number of babies um, were killed by a large dose of morphine in the elixir. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, I know it's not funny, but, oh, let's soothe your baby. Let's knock him out with morphine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, now we're going to get more into this soothing syrup stuff. Oh, there it has the date below. Oh, where? The cough one? No, the soothing syrup. Mothers who were up all night. Um, Mothers who were up all night crying with a crying colicky baby were enticed by a medicine that immediately claimed... Calmed. Calmed their infants well it also claimed them (laughs) (laughs) you you are not wrong (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) um the syrup was effective due to the inclusion of morphine and alcohol each fluid ounce contains 65 milligrams of opioid (gasps) that'll kill an elephant you would that'll kill like oh my gosh how did anybody survive this yeah when we go back to this whole 1800s early era stuff, I really start wondering how the hell we made it this yes. far. Because these people were stupid. Yes. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> the dangerous effects included addiction, coma, and death. And it is unknown how many infants died as a result of this medication. Because our awesome record keeping was just Mm -hmm, so good. Because that was also wonderful way back then. This was invented in the 1840s in New York. Anglo-American Drug Company aggressively marketed the syrup to desperate mothers. The bottle's labels never indicated the active ingredients so the parents did not realize that they were giving their babies a mixture of morphine and alcohol i don't think that would have changed anything for them back then you think they would have just still i think given it they to would have you know read this thing and even if it had the ingredients on there they would have been like okay well let's give it to the little johnny and see how he does <laughs> and then they wake up the next morning and he's dead so <laughs> the american 
Medical Association filed a suit against the company in 1915. No way was... (laughs) For 75 years, people were using this? Yeah. For 75 years? Apparently. And they didn't just like... Wow. Well, now no if something way. happens and there's like, you know, four yeah. or five people that have something wrong happen to them that's, you know, due to the same yeah. thing, they shut it down immediately. But this went on for 75 years before they had a lawsuit. Oh my gosh. Which, let me keep reading on that. I was trying to segue and it just didn't really work. So the American Medical Association filed a suit against the company in 1915, subsequent to the passage of the 1906 Food and Drug Act. The company agreed that it had behaved recklessly and fraudulently. The company was fined $100 for the promotion and sale of the drug. Only, okay, well, what is $100 in the 19... Probably 1000 Yeah. Not much. No. I'm sorry, for a company, $100 was not much. For 75 years of use, too? Yeah. Ugh. So, the soothing syrup was reformulated to contain laxatives and anti-flatulent medication during, in the early 1900s. So, there's another poster that I'm looking at. It says, cough, in big letters. And it says... The sum of clinical experiments designates glycoheroin as a respiratory sedative superior in all respects to preparations of opium, morphine, codeine, codeine, and and other narcotics and withdrawal Of the toxic. Of the toxic depressing effects, which characterize the latter when given in doses sufficient to reduce the reflex irritability of the bronchial, tracheal, tracheal, laryngeal, and laryngeal mucus membranes. I got that word. Um, and then it says the problem of administering heroin in proper doses in such form will be given the therapeutic virtues of this drug fully full away and will suit the palate of the most exacting or adult or the most precious child. I'm sorry this is so hard to read right now. No, this this is so this he's is a photocopy of a poster labeled. from the nineteen hundreds. And so yes. it's very hard to read. Yeah. So basically what you're talking about is heroin given as a cough syrup for people with tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Why would heroin calm your coughing? Heroin. You know, I've never done heroin, so Me I can't either. really tell you. It, maybe it does. Maybe, from coffee. Yeah, maybe it does. We just we just don't know. We're uneducated. Yeah. Bayer heroin hydrochloride. Um How is Bayer still a company? 
Because it was the 1840s, Mom. No, Bayer is still selling medicines today. Because they're not allowed to sell medicines like that anymore. So, uh, nowadays, a company would be stomped for something like that. Oh, companies are stomped for the stupidest things. Yeah. Like. Yeah. For woke. Not heroin shit. use. But, like, the stupidest things. Yeah. So, Bayer invented heroin in the late 1800s, initially intended as a cough suppressant and an alternative to codeine and morphine. Codeine? Mm -hmm. Okay. Codeine and morphine. Since conditions like tuberculosis and pneumonia were frequent problems in the late 1800s, thousands of doctors were sent free samples of the new medication to try. The advertisement for the new cough medication indicated Bayer Pharmaceutical Products Heroin Hydrochloride is preeminently adapted for the manufacture of cough elixirs, cough bombs, cough drops, cough lozenges, lozenges, and cough medicines of any kind. Bayer's stopped manufacturing heroin in 1913, and the drug was banned in the United States in 1924. Bear heroin was sold for use um, in compounding cough medicines. The addictive nature of heroin was quickly discovered, and the drug was banned in 1924 from the USA. Wow. <laughs> I just can't believe it. And of all of these, I did not do cocaine. You know, cocaine was in everything. Yeah. They loved cocaine all through the 1800s. Yeah, it was in Coca-Cola. It was in Coca-Cola, yeah. It was in... Ayers Cherry Pectoral for the cure of coughs, cold, asthma, croup, bronchitis, whooping cough, and consumption. Consumption is tuberculosis. Yeah. Marketed as a cough syrup, Ayers Cherry Pectoral um, contained either heroin or morphine, depending on the list of ingredients that was referenced. So, one or the other, heroin or morphine, it's interchangeable, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's stop you from coughing. Another one here called Kimball. This is white pine and tar cough syrup. Which should be a red flag anyways. Um, the sign says it contains 4% alcohol. There's chloroform in it. <laughs> That's the active ingredient. Chloroform. What does four minimums mean? I don't know. Okay. So there's alcohol and chloroform, you know, the regular stuff. This is for coughs, cold, hoarseness, horse? Yeah, hoarseness. Yeah, hoarseness. Sore throat, bronchitis, and all diseases of the throat and lungs. Did we try this for COVID when COVID was happening? Oh, we didn't try chloroform. We did not try chloroform. And you know what else we didn't try? What? Cocaine. Heroin. Heroin. Morphine. Yeah, we didn't try any of those. We didn't actually. try any of those for COVID. You probably also shouldn't. For any people that are listening to this going, I have COVID. Let me try that. <laughs> don't, don't do heroin. 
<laughs> You're not supposed to. We're being sarcastic, people. We're very Please sarcastic. Please do not do heroin. Pretty much everything in our vocabulary is sarcasm. Okay, so there's a little more down here at the bottom. Um, directions. Adults, one teaspoonful. Children in proportion to age have been taken every three or four hours or when cough is troublesome. So basically, you just take it whenever you're coughing. <laughs> okay, so here's a little bit more on the Kimball's white pine and tar cough syrup. So it says, with chloroform as an active ingredient, Kimball's cough syrup was intended to relieve coughs, colds, and sore throats. Chloroform was a common ingredient in toothpaste ointments and cough syrups until the late 20th century how did we make it this far uh, i really like every time i this is why i didn't like history because every time i hear something historical <laughs> stupid like this i think wow this is why aliens don't come visit us is because we're literally the stupidest race on the universe <laughs> when downing chloroform and cocaine and heroin just to soothe your cough the use of chloroform was dangerous due to the potential inhalation which could cause ataxia coma or death long-term ingestion of the cough syrup containing chloroform could lead to permanent kidney and liver damage chloroform for investigation um, was banned by the fda in 1976 after cancer was reported in laboratory animals. Oh, so it gave you cancer too. Yeah. Ataxia is the full loss or the loss of full control of bodily movements. Oh, so it would paralyze you? Basically. Ugh. Chloroform is now listed as a category 2BG carcinogen. Wait, yeah, that's a word, right? Yeah. Carcinogen? Yeah. <laughs> With possible carcinogenic activity in humans. Yeah, so. Wow. That answers the question. No, that bears to ask the question, how did we get here? How did we make it this far? How did we not solve COVID already? <laughs> like, the answer is heroin. Heroin all the way. Heroin, I, I agree. FDA, if you're listening to this, let's try heroin next time, okay? Yeah. Okay. Pfizer's um, going to pick that up in a second. In oh, a yeah. heartbeat. They're going to be like, hey, there's this new little ingredient in here. Hey, celebrities. Come try Push this. Push heroin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when is our next episode dropping? This one? The 14th. The 14th. Okay, so March 14th is when the next episode is dropping. Um, we always need more stories, so send them to the email which is Country Road Paranormal. And if you're not a writer and you don't feel like comfortable, you can always reach out to us by messenger and we might be able to talk to you about your story and write it down for you. Mm -hmm. um, so keep that in mind. Yeah. So email us at countryroadparanormal at gmail.com. Make sure to share, like, and rate our podcast on all platforms that we are currently active on. Yeah. So we will 
continue to get on all platforms. Um, we have a Patreon. Um, this is in our link tree and all the information is there as well. Um, and make sure you follow us on all of our social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Okay. Send us bye, your stories. People. We'll see you on March 14th. March 14th? Bye.